This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's the Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg Mackling. He is Doug Brown, fresh off a trip to beautiful downtown Hamilton. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing, downloading, and of course, rating the podcast. We are going to rate the Winnipeg Blue Bombers their first loss of the year. Doug, how are you feeling about this one? Are you choked, shocked, dismayed, disgruntled, or was this just a matter of time? Yeah, you know, I think you have to look big picture right away. This is the one-third point of the football season, so we're 33.3% of the way complete. You're good and, at the math. Uh, they're 5-1, and one, right? So they're 5-1, and one, they're first in the West, they're first overall in the CFL, and they have Toronto up next on deck, which means they're probably going to be 6-1 and one unless something goes terribly wrong. Um, so, you know, you... In, in the grand scheme of things, there was one blip on the radar screen in terms of, other than that, there was no traffic in the sky other than this one blip. Unfortunately, that was the latest blip. And in football, they say you're only as good as your last game. And if that is the case, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers weren't very good for a day, but they have this ability uh, in both winning and losing to flush that game, that singular entity, and, and move on and move forward. And so we're assuming they're going to do that and uh, take out any frustrations on Toronto and put it back on track and be 6-1. and one. But the most surprising thing about this game, uh, A, uh, that the Hamilton Tiger Cats just jumped all over them initially in the first quarter. They're down 14 nothing before we had a chance up in the broadcast booth to go, what just happened? You know, boom, it was uh, down by two touchdowns. And then I think what was disappointing or surprising was Jeremiah Mazzoli goes down and I kept having to look down at my depth chart to say his name, Dane Evans. I was like, for some reason, my mind says, we only know one Dane and that's Dane Cook. And, and this, this Dane, even though the way he plays football is pretty funny, but, uh, so the disappointing thing was, okay, Hey, you're down by two touchdowns to Jeremiah Mazzoli, but guess what? Now you got a no name in the game. Uh, and uh, he did not play well, uh, what, nine points over the three quarters he was involved in this game. Well, I'll give you, even give you his passing stats. They were less than impressive. Yeah, three field goals. 13 of 25, 52% completion percentage. I know you're really good at the math. I just wanted to do it yeah, for you. Thank you. Uh, zero touchdowns, one interception. So yeah. not impressive at all. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are disappointed, outside observers, and as I'm sure the team is, and you're miffed by the fact the Blue Bombers could not take advantage of the absence of Jeremiah Mazzoli for three quarters of the game. Listen, nobody nobody thought they were going to run the table and go 18-0. and 0 or, or I did. You know, well, other than you, Greg. And no <laughs> I, one, I no one with any common sense thought they were going to win, you know, 10, 12, 14 games in a row. But you just don't expect it to come at the hands of, uh, you know, granted they got a 14-point spot and, uh, you know, the one underrated aspect of this game was how well the Hamilton defense played. You know, everybody, I think this leads into our next point about Matt Nichols. Everybody's talking about how, you know, he had a bad game and he threw three three interceptions and 
He attempted 49 passes, which is very not much the kind of offensive scheme and system they want to run where he's throwing the ball 50 times, um, five or six yards per pass attempt. Um, that's not that's just out of character, right? It's throwing that much out of character, three interceptions out of character, uh, average yards per pass attempt. You know, these things are all outliers. And you're like, well, what the heck happened? And that's the one narrative I don't think is getting the attention right now is the Hamilton defense. It's funny. If you look at really good pocket passers, if you look at a guy like uh, Tom Brady, and you're like, what is Tom Brady's kryptonite? It's pressure up the middle. Right? Sure. And you know why that is? Because he's not a super mobile guy. Correct. Right. And uh, I think it's the same thing. I mean, I'm not comparing Tom Brady and Matt Nichols, but I'm comparing them in the sense that they're both pocket passers that need and like to be able to step up in the pocket. And when they get pressure down the pipe, down the middle, they're not able to escape it. And I think that was a scenario with Matt Nichols. You don't go from playing the first five games, winning all of them, throwing 12 touchdowns in one pick. And then in one game, you triple your interception total and and just blow up. And you're just spraying footballs all over the field and you're throwing in a double coverage and, and you're you're taking shots and doing things that are not characteristic for you. That doesn't just happen because you put your athletic supporter on backwards that day or something, right? Like it's just not an off day. It's a total aberration, but to not credit the Hamilton defense is to uh, sell them short for their impact they had on this game. And I really think when I was watching, I was like, wow. And it's funny because no one's paying attention to this because Hamilton only got one sack, right? But they hit Nichols and they pressured him up the middle in this game. He had pressure off the edge as well. Uh, they got heat in every which way. They they got heat when they rushed three, rushed four, rushed six or seven when they had a free rusher. They got pressure in all different kinds of ways. But the over, overall theme for me was the pressure they got coming up the middle. And when Matt Nichols doesn't have a clean pocket and he can't step into his throws, it just changes you know, the, the nature of his game. And uh, it, obviously there's a trickle-down effect where it, it affected everything. So uh, I really feel, you know, um, this wasn't a game where he was just off. This was a game where, you know, he got uh, affected greatly in, in what is normally a clean pocket for him by Hamilton defense. And this in large part is, you know, Orlando Steinauer, the, the head coach, of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, recognizing they got three new guys sure. in the middle playing center and two guards, and they got some good interior defensive linemen as well. And they recognized this, and they said, you know, this, this matched ties up well in. for them. This ties into Matt Nichols' week. It's not a coincidence. You got three, you know, uh, relatively inexperienced starters in front of Nichols who needs to step up, who needs to clean pocket, who doesn't fare well with pressure up the middle. And and they like it's not a surprise that if you accomplish that and and you're able to affect that part of your strategy, it's going to really affect his numbers and your ability to win a football game. So help me unravel this, riddle me this, Batman. Why is it then that they had Paul Lapolis and the Blue Bombers had Matt Nichols throwing the ball 48 times? and only handed off the ball to Andrew Harris eight, eight times. times. Isn't one way to combat a very aggressive pass rush, an effective pass rush, to run the ball? Yeah, to be more balanced for sure. And it was interesting because Andrew Harris also had eight catches on the game. And the majority of them, if not all of them, were checkdowns. Where Matt Nichols realized he had to get the ball out of his hands. He wasn't soon, the primary receiver. You know, yeah, no, he was a checkdown, right? out in the, And... 
you know, for the most part, though, Andrew Harris as a checkdown is is great. It's a good play, right? Because he makes people miss, and he can often get you out of trouble. And he does it all the time. But you know, they figured out they got they had a sequence going there where they were getting so much pressure. I mean, it was all he could do, Matt Nichols could do, to get just the ball to his safety valve, his outlet, his checkdown in in Andrew Harris. And uh, you know, before he would get sacked or whatever. So they were so focused or worried in about these pressure packages it's hard sometimes to run especially when you're adding people to your blitz because there are blitzes that are uh very good against the run because you got a defender in every hole um as they are against the pass but there are pseudo run plays right where you're getting the ball into a running back's hands uh, as a primary receiver versus the check down receiver plays that are designed screen plays and yeah. and other plays that will keep a defensive line or at least they're designed to keep a defensive line off balance did the bomber offense did they strategize did they use those plays well, enough yeah i mean the other thing about running the football too is if you, even if it's a good blitz like a blitz that's good for defending the run as well as getting pressure on a pass because you got guy every run responsibility is is covered and taken care of. That's going to leave something um, open. Even if you do run the ball in a scenario like that, all you need is for Andrew Harris to break through the first level and guess what? There's nobody, you know, and then you gash someone. And it's the same with with a hot route on a blitz, if you're overcommitting and you're taking guys out of the second level, there's all this space. There's supposed to be all this space. You're in man coverage. You just need one guy to win, and you make you have to back a team off that way so they're not overly aggressive uh, for the rest of the game. And you just didn't see that. You know, you didn't see them um, put together a concerted attempt to establish and and continue with the run. I mean, that's that's running twice a quarter, eight eight times, eight handoffs to him. Uh, that's not going to be enough. And then you didn't see in that man coverage, you know, you had the Hamilton defenders recognizing that ball has to come out in a hurry. That that allows you to cover much more aggressively if you're not getting worried, if you're not worried about being beaten over the top because you know the quarterback has to get the ball out of his hands, right? If you're if you're rush, everything's your in front of you. That, yeah. So they weren't, you know, and I was just, I don't know, I was kind of just jonesing for, uh, I was like, man, if only they had a six foot five, 230 pound receiver. Mm. Uh, in the slot that could run a uh, a quick slant and mm. and you know high point the ball and beat his coverage and you know back them off this ultra uber aggressiveness kind of uh, defense we were seeing and of course he was at home watching the and you know the other thing that kind of stuck in my craw too is is watching Lucky Whitehead now obviously early in the season we saw some we saw like a, a wide receiver hitch screen like went for a touchdown. And they just keep feeding them this now, and it's not working, right? Like, teams have watched that film and saying, whoa, you see Lucky Whitehead in a bunch formation over here, you know, red alert. Red flags are popping up all over the field like like it's, it's uh, I don't even know what it is, but it is. It's perfectly obvious what play yeah. they're calling is what and it they is. Just, they, they keep, it's like you're hoping to have lightning strike twice right, in right. the same spot kind of thing. And, you know, to me, uh, I don't know. I think Lucky Whitehead, he's a, he's a novelty guy. I think he's a, he's a guy that if you get defenses to forget about him, then he'll crush you. But when they're zoning in and, and paying attention to it, you know, you're not going to... He's not the guy to build the offense around. Yeah, and he's not, he's not a quintessential receiver like, like a guy like Chris Matthews is or Darvin Adams or, or any of these guys. So it's just... Uh, Everything about the offensive coordination in this game 
how little they ran, um, how they couldn't protect, they weren't able to pick up the blitz, uh, how many times they threw the football. There was just so much force feeding, lucky white had the ball. There were so many things that were uncharacteristic and outside of the identity of what you've come to expect of the of this offense that uh you just knew it was it was one of those days but hats off to the Hamilton defense for forcing all these issues and and forcing this offense to completely play outside of itself and and not and and abandon their strengths so let me throw out a word i gave you some to choose from that you gave to me to give back to you i'm going to give you one mystified as to how the blue bomber de- Offense was unable to adjust to the looks that the Hamilton Tiger Cats were giving them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the defense, for the most part, for Winnipeg, played well enough to win in this game, right? Well, five turnovers, three by the offense, two on special teams, very short fields in a couple of situations for the Tiger Cats offense. Blue Bombers had the... Interceptions that come back to the one-yard line. Well, you you mean, hello, that's as short a field as you're going to get, right? So I think the Blue Bombers defense continues to play well. This was not a defensive issue uh, by any stretch. I think we might have been having somewhat of a different conversation potentially had Mazzoli stayed in the game but you mentioned uh, the fact before we... Oh, can you uh, imagine if he had stayed in the game? Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, then maybe we might have been having a different conversation about how the defense performed or didn't, didn't been perform. Then would have 42 to 15? Or, oh, yeah, oh you're doing the extrapolation thing that you admonish fans for doing when the Bombers are up by 28 points at halftime and expect them to be winning by 56. This was garbage time for... Uh... Uh, well, the game was far too close for it. There was no garbage time. The Bombers really uh, had an opportunity to go down the field and uh, yeah. tie up the game right till the very end. This makes six and nine starting quarterbacks, we believe, that have ha- missed some sort of time in the Canadian Football League this year. Uh, Mike Riley has not missed any time. Matt Nichols has not missed any time uh, to this point. Uh, two of the bigger names that, that haven't missed, I guess Trevor Harris, uh, I guess would be the, yeah, the, the, the third yeah. that hasn't missed any time to this point. Highlighting once again the value of the situation the Blue Bombers have in Chris Strevler, someone that you can potentially, I know you raised your eyebrows at me, potentially uh, handle the starting assignment if need be. Yeah, I mean, it, it changes everything about your offense. Of course it you, does. You have a guy that is better at running than he is at throwing and necessarily. And, you know, uh, we haven't seen him yet with an open playbook. We're, we're not, we don't know if he's there yet in terms of, you know, his how comfortable he is with that. But I mean, Okay, so you're have, totally honestly, shooting down my, my, my positivity <laughs> with regards to that. And that's fine. I, I, what you've seen in uh, Saskatchewan with Fajardo and the opportunity right. to play. Chris Trevler, you know, if there was ever a game that might have been suited to his talents, it was probably against Hamilton. Oh, because if you're, if you're, you know, if, uh, if you're throwing 49 passes and you're only averaging 5.5 yards per attempt, uh, you would have been better off having a two-pronged running attack, right? Andrew Harris in those eight carries, I believe he had 6.6 yards on the ground. So um, you would be better off, you know, running to set up the pass in a game like this against Hamilton uh, where they're able to exact so much pressure on you. So that that might have been a scenario where where, uh, Strebler getting some time might have worked out better just because he's able to 
get out of that pocket as well and escape that pressure that they were getting uh, consistently down the middle. Now, for those that didn't catch on earlier, you were alluding to that six foot five wide receiver that could play out of the slot and maybe catch the ball at its highest point and, and cause some damage on some quick slants. You were, of course, speaking of Chris Matthews, and it looks like Matthews is going to get his opportunity on Thursday against Toronto. Darvin Adams was injured, and so uh, was Drew Walatarski injured on Friday. So it's almost Anthony a guarantee. Gator too, I think. Anthony Gator. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Chris Matthews can help out uh, in the defensive backfield or uh, as a linebacker. But uh, unless you know something I don't, does he play both ways now? Uh, but Matthews obviously going to get back into the lineup on Thursday and an opportunity for him to uh, make a statement, uh, don't take me out again. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you just have to wonder, though, the one thing I'm curious about with the Thursday game in Toronto is how prominently will he feature in this offense. I mean, uh, they did not have him involved until, you know, they're going to now force to be having him involved due to engineer, uh, injury scenarios. So you, I just wonder what kind of opportunity he's going to have and how prominently will he uh, be featured and, and, and play a role in this offense. It's going to be real interesting to see. Um, you know, so much, it's interesting with offenses and, and defenses, they, they can go two ways. You have a player and uh, a coach can take that player and, and see what his strengths are and play up his strengths and, and try to avoid his weaknesses. Um, so you can, you can work around a player and try to put them in positions and spots to succeed. Or you can have a system that you think it really doesn't matter who you're putting in. You know, everyone just has a certain role and they're all kind of, you don't want to say drones, but they're all next man up, just plug, plug and play kind of systems, right? Um, where you're going to be successful just because you're doing what the system uh, is telling you to do. And if you, if you listen and, and do your responsibility and what you're accountable for in this system, then then you're going to be fine kind of thing. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, adapt to what his strengths are. You know, 50-50 balls, high pointing of football, his catch radius, his size, um, quick hitters fighting, you know, and can you get him isolated in a man coverage? He's going to win these battles. Um, but if he's just going to be another, uh, a pawn and part of this offense, you have to just wonder whether his talents will really be emphasized, utilized and recognized. And, uh, we'll get a good answer from that on Thursday. Are you challenging Paul Lapolis to feature Chris Matthews in this offense on Thursday? Well, I think he's your, he's without question. He's your best wide receiver right now or, or slot receiver, whatever, whichever way you want to slice it with Darvin Adams down, Drew Walitarski, um, you know, I think I'd rather see Chris Matthews given the opportunity and the touches than necessarily a, a, a kick returner that is working on transitioning and adding elements to, to his game as a specialty returner. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I'd love to see him featured in this offense for, for multiple weeks um, because he came with uh, a, a pretty impressive resume that he put together and he's been very successful in all of his stops thus far. Toronto Argonauts yet to win a game, so this could be the perfect tonic for the Blue Bombers to get back on track and an opportunity to maybe do exactly what you say, Doug, and that's to to focus on using Chris Matthews because 
Uh, let's face it, uh, they are likely to have the ball often. They're likely to be marching the ball down the field with uh, some ease, if not a lot of ease. Uh, we saw what they did here in Winnipeg, and I know you don't like to go into a game assuming a victory. Uh, we did that the last time the Bombers played the Argos here in Winnipeg. Uh, are we doing the same for Thursday? Well, they're just, uh, you know, the biggest situation, it's not that the Toronto Argonaut defense is playing so bad, they just don't have a quarterback. They just can't put together competent offensive production. And uh, that is really their hamstring. And obviously in this league, if you have an erratic quarterbacking situation, that's really going to be a problem for your football team. And uh, I don't see any resolution coming to their winning woes right now uh, in Toronto. So this is uh, reminds you of... You know, a championship boxer that gets knocked down in a fight, or maybe loses his title, or loses a split decision, and and you're the you're the manager or the agent. You want to get his confidence back up. Can you want to put him in the ring with just a tomato soup can and just have him pound the hell out of it, right? Just to get back up. This could be the perfect tonic and elixir for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to accomplish that and to get their mojo back. A little bit of Toronto Argonaut injection. Uh, that'll get their their testosterone flowing again, hopefully. I'm thinking of that tom- tomato soup can with an Argo logo on it, and instead yeah. of the red Campbell's uh, featured color, maybe the, a little bit of a, the light blue, the double blue of the Toronto Argonauts, uh, we might have something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, Argonaut uh, tomato soup. This couldn't. This game couldn't come fast enough for a team that was a little shell shocked from what went down in Hamilton. Now they're staying out there, and they they get to get rid of that extinguished that poor taste they have in their mouth right now. Bonus round. First time uh, you're hearing of the Blue Bombers doing something like that, staying on the road for a week. I was trying to think back to the last time that they did anything like that or were in a situation where that was even an option. No, we've done that before. Yeah. Um, Good thing? It's uh, not really. No? Because it's all, you're never home, right? Mm. I would rather just fly. I mean, it's a short week too. That's why they're doing it. Right. But it's not that short, six days, right. In between. I mean, granted they would leave on Wednesday, but you know, they, they could have been home Saturday. It gives you Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, leave on Wednesday play on Thursday. I, I don't really, just because you don't have any of the comforts of home, whether it's the infrastructure for weightlifting and conditioning for treatment thing. I hated staying out on the road just because you didn't have that caliber of infrastructure around you. It's not your weight room. Um, you got to... Now, back in the day, let's be honest, back in the day before the Bombers moved to IGF, being anywhere else might not have been the worst thing <laughs> in the world, but they do have world-class facilities at IGF, so right? It's still, eating, it's still, you know, you know, you know what you like, you like what you know. Well, and you, it's just not ideal for finely tuned athletes. Your, your meal plan's out the window. Right, your rest and recovery, your conditioning, all these things are compromised when you stay on the road. So, man, um, I don't even want to fathom them having troubles or, or losing this game on Thursday. But I've never, I mean, on a six game, a six day week to stay on out on out east, and uh, when you're really, what are you, two hour flight away from from Toronto, and it's you don't have to worry about getting to Hamilton now, like like we all did. Um, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't see the benefit to it any way, shape or form. Uh, it's obviously an added expense as well. Um, but I guess maybe you have, uh, two less flights as opposed to, uh, you know, and this, but that's going to be offset by the cost and the per diem. 
Oh my God, these. That's the thing too. <laughs> what, is, getting, what is the per diem? Uh, the per what are they getting? Lot, for, what are they getting I, for I food? I know what it is right now. It's it's well over a hundred something a day, and so that adds up, right? And oh then, sure. And the more per diem you give the guys, the the less of it they want to spend on food. Sure. So they're not exactly maxing out their nutritional value, because you know, like Milt Stegall was notorious. Uh, granted, he always ate very well, so he's not the best example for this, but. I mean, I would come home and I would never have any per diem left. I'd spend every, we go to the best steakhouse, whatever in town and Milt would not. And he would come back with 96% of his per diem still in his pocket kind of thing. Right. He'd go get a nice salad at the, at the mall, uh, buffet there or whatever. And, <laughs> and, uh, that would be good for him. Right. And he'd pocket the change. So it's just, it's a combination of, of fact. I, I don't, agree with this i mean i'm not doing it and i'm not playing on this football team but i always hated you just gave me a great calm idea if they do not play well in toronto all the reasons why staying out on the road is a terrible idea so but let's hope i don't have to write that well you know i don't know how much trouble they can get into in guelph i get all the other reasons did you ever stay in montreal for five or six days I mean, now, now, now there's a situation that you could embrace, but if you got to stay in, you know, Regina for six days or Red Deer for six days, because you're splitting the difference between Edmonton or Calgary, I get it. We'll delve into that a little bit more next time around. Uh, Doug Brown, great to see you. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Toronto Argonauts going down Thursday. I don't know if there'll be anybody there other than Blue Bomber, friends, family, Argo, friends, family, and former Winnipeggers. I guess we'll find out, and we'll look forward to the result, and we'll uh, dissect it all next time around here on the Blue Bomber Podcast. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.